What's up, mortals? This is Awesome Myths and Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. Since it's October, and that's the month of Halloween, I'll be telling myths and legends that are scary or have to do with monsters. In this episode, I'll be going over two myths from Greek mythology, the tales of Sisyphus and Tantalus. And if you're sitting there like, but super talented Mr. Podcast host, those stories aren't even scary. Well, if you don't find perpetual manual labor and no snacks forever scary, then we just can't be friends. I guess you could argue the terrifying power and wrath of fickle gods punishing mortals as they see fit without any sense of justice, but for me it's mostly the snack thing. So who were these two men with weird ass names? Well I'm going to go over one and then the other because they aren't really related and that's just kind of how you go through things. Sisyphus is the king of Corinth, famous for his general trickiness and aversion to death. He was the son of Aeolus the great wind god who controlled all the winds, as wind gods tend to do. Sisyphus was said to be the father of Glaucus, known for dying in horse-related theatrics, who in turn was the father, father of Bellerophon, known for riding Pegasus and slaying the Chimera. I did an episode about that already. It's great. The Chimera story is real dumb. Like, when you're thinking terrifying animals to create a monster, who fucking thinks goat? So as king, Sisyphus was a real dick. He promoted cool things, like navigation and commerce, but he also promoted not cool things, like murdering guests. He loved to do it. It was his favorite pastime. Murdering guests was a big no-no in Greek mythology. Not because of the murder part, that was okay, but because of the concept of xenia, or hospitality, which, in which guests were supposed to be shown courtesy and generosity, not the sharp end of a sword. Sisyphus doesn't give a shit, though. He just wants to maintain his iron-fisted hold on his country. The gods actually care about this sort of thing. They don't hold many things sacred, but guest rights was important. So Zeus gets involved. Just kidding. Zeus didn't get involved until he kidnaps Aegina in the form of a giant eagle, takes her out to an island. When Osiphus, the river god, goes looking for his daughter, he ser his search leads him to Corinth, where Sisyphus tells the river god that he saw a great bird carrying a maiden out to sea and gives him directions. Aesopus tries to rescue his daughter, but Zeus... Use Thunderbolt and Electric type is super effective against Water type, so the River God has to retreat. Zeus is peeved that this mortal ratted him out, and then he decides to get involved. So just in case you thought maybe Zeus's dick wasn't involved in this story, it is. Zeus sends out Thanatos, the Greek god of death, to chain Sisyphus and Tartarus. Now if you're sitting there saying, but Hades is the god of death. Well, yes, but also no. Hades is the god of the dead and of the underworld, and there is a difference. He's the head honcho, the CEO. He has to look after all of the souls after they die, but doesn't go around killing people or collecting souls himself. That's middlemen grunt work, and he's upper management. That's where Thanatos, Charon, and even sometimes Hermes comes into play. So Thanatos gets out his chains and is like, come on, Sisyphus, you literally can't fight death, which is me, so let's go. Sisyphus was known as the trickiest of men. One time he came up with a plan to seduce his niece to produce offspring to kill his brother, so nothing was off the table for this guy. Sisyphus asked Thanatos to demonstrate how the chains work, which is a totally normal question that Thanatos doesn't even hesitate to help educate him on because the concept of chains is just so confusing. As Thanatos is going through his presentation, Sisyphus takes this chance to chain Thanatos himself. Now that death is chained, no one on earth can die. This obviously throws the world into chaos, but of all of the gods to actually care enough about to do something about it, it's Ares. Ares is angry because his wars aren't any fun if nobody can die in them. Games need stakes after all. Ares frees Thanatos and then goes back to slaughtering people 
because he's got a tiny wiener or whatever. Thanatos doesn't want to risk imprisonment again, so he leaves Sisyphus alone for the time being. It's like, just don't show him how to use the chains to fucking chain yourself. Sisyphus eventually does die naturally, but he's, as he's about to go, he asks his wife to toss his naked body into the town square as a symbol of her love for him. When he arrived on the shore of the river Styx, he meets Persephone, the goddess of the underworld. I did an episode on how she ended up as queen of the underworld. If you're curious, spoiler alert, involves kidnapping. So Sisyphus goes up to Persephone and starts to complain to her that his dumb wife had the audacity to toss his naked corpse into the town center. She didn't perform any of the necessary funeral rites, so he asks if she will allow him to go back to the living world to scold his dumb wife and get her to perform the correct ceremonies, and then he'll come right back. He promises. And Persephone just agrees because she's really trusting for some reason, as if her own marriage wasn't built on deceit and her being kidnapped. So Sisyphus goes back to the world of the living and just fucking stays there. He ends up living a long and healthy life. When he finally dies again for the third time, I guess, this time Hades or Zeus, depending on the myth, is ready to greet him themselves. One of them devised a punishment for Sisyphus where he would be condemned to forever push a boulder up a hill. But the boulder was enchanted so that it would always roll away from him before it ever reached the top. Sisyphus had to spend the rest of eternity in an exercise in futility. It's like the eight-hour workday. It's mostly wasted time, and you're just not allowed to leave because of outdated, arbitrary reasons. Now on to Tantalus. Tantalus was the son of Pluto and Big Daddy Zeus himself. Now this Pluto is a Greek woman whose name means treasure, and not like the Roman version of Hades. There wasn't any incest gender bending in this story. Hades isn't Loki. Some sources claim that Tantalus was, was invited to the table of the gods, like Ixion, the guy who porked a cloud and was then cursed to be strapped to a burning wheel forever. I did an episode about that too, but the real point is that don't accept dinner invitations from the gods. Meanwhile, some say that Tantalus invited the gods over for a nice home-cooked meal, and they all just decided to actually show up. I mean, to be fair, he's not just some random dude. Like, if Zeus is his real father, then everyone else is an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or whatever. There are also a couple of versions of what crime Tantalus actually committed to earn his punishment. Sometimes it's just gossip about what the gods have planned for humanity, which how dare a mortal speculate about our divine machinations. I can tell you Zeus's plan right now. Have sex with the mortals, and the immortals, and the semi-immortals, and literally anything else with a hole. Just have sex with all of it. The second story involves Tantalus stealing nectar and ambrosia from Mount Olympus, and then sharing it with other mortals. Both don't seem enough for divine retribution, but Apollo wants flayed a man for thinking he was good at the flute, so the gods have no fucking chill. The most popular and fucked up version of Tantalus' crime is the last one. Tantalus makes the very, very unwise decision of deciding to test the gods. I have to reiterate that the gods don't like to be challenged by mortals, demigod or otherwise. And even when the mortals win, they still fucking lose. For example, Tantalus' daughter Niobe went around bragging that she was greater than the goddess Leto because Leto only had two kids, while Niobe had 18. Meanwhile, Leto's two kids were the gods Apollo and Artemis, which were way stronger than 18 mortals. So Leto sent her kids to kill Niobe's kids to show who the better mother was. At the end of it, Leto had still had two kids, but Niobe had zero. So Leto was crowned the better mother or something. Not a good idea to test the gods. Tantalus is going to do it anyway. Tantalus wants to test the gods' omniscience, 
And he does this by killing his own son, Pelops, and cooking him into chili. He then serves dead son a la mode to the gods. Turns out they are pretty aware, and none of them take part in the meal. Except for Demeter, who is so distracted by the loss of Persephone that she's not really paying attention and totally misses the general vibe in the room. She's just shoveling dead kid into her mouth as a way to deal with her depression. I would recommend ice cream instead. She gets the kid's entire shoulder before someone decides to stop her. Zeus orders the fates to bring the boy back to life, and they collect the parts not in Demeter's stomach and boil them in a pot. Then Hephaestus makes the boy a new shoulder out of ivory. If getting new parts made is an option, then why stop at the shoulder? Like, turn this boy into the $6 million man, give him a big golden penis like Osiris got. Pelops grows up to be a very handsome young man, no thanks to his dad cutting him up and trying to feed him to the gods. Poseidon takes him to Mount Olympus to teach him how to drive chariots, and Zeus casts him out of Mount Olympus because he's still so pissed off at Tantalus. Tantalus's punishment is where we get the word tantalize from, which, like always, if you don't recognize it, go read a fucking book. And it's because his punishment was to permanently tantalize him, but never allowed him to ever be satisfied. So he was placed in a shallow pool of water under a fruit tree. Whenever Tantalus reached up for the fruit, the branches would stretch out of his reach. Whenever he knelt down to scoop the water, the water receded into the ground. He was basically cursed to be forever hungry and thirsty forever. So for whatever nerd reason, the myths don't include if he was allowed to jerk off or not. Like you can't eat or drink. Eventually you come to the reason, the reasoning that you can't trick the magical tree or water. What else do you do stuck in this fucking pond? I wonder if they cursed him so they can never get it up or let him get it up but never finish. Like infinite blue balls. That would be torture. Also no snacks. That's it for the episode. If you enjoyed, please like and subscribe. Maybe tell a friend. I also have a Twitter at MythOTD where I post stupid descriptions of mythological figures and monsters. It's great. I'm great at this.